Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 16 says, Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect. The, the word, a better word than perfect there would be mature. So Paul's saying, I haven't reached the pinnacle of maturity. I'm, I'm still on a journey. We're all on a journey. He said, But I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. He says it a second time. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect or many as are on this journey of maturity, I think this is kind of tongue-in-cheek how Paul says this, have this attitude. So if you're mature, Paul says, you're going to agree with me. And if anything, you have a different attitude, God will reveal that to you. So he's like, you don't agree with me? God will take care of you. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have obtained. Father, we've come to hear from you. Spirit of living God, our hearts and minds are open. Speak to us. We believe that we can never be the same, that we can be changed, transformed in a moment by the seed of the word of God deposited in our hearts. So we're open, we're ready. Speak. In your name we pray. Everybody said amen. 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 Have a seat. Have a seat. So glad you're here. Honored, honored to be here. My wife is with me tonight. Tammy pastors the church with me. We have four children because she loves me and can't keep her hands off me. <laughs> Kidding. It's probably the opposite way. Um, but we have a 15-year-old, a 13-year-old, a 6-year-old, an intentional break, y'all. I don't want a surprise. And then um, we have a little three-year-old, uh, and he, he runs the house, and he's mama's baby boy, and he's living the dream, and he's a whole vibe. All by himself, he is a whole vibe. And um, so I was thinking the other day about um, my very first car. Um, I, I don't know about you. I don't know how it is here, and my kids are a little different. My son doesn't seem to care as much as I did, but the day I turned 16, I was at the office getting my license. Like, I wanted to drive that day. I wanted to go. I got friends' kids wait till they're 19. Tammy was like, I didn't really care. I was like, no, I was getting on the road. I needed to go back in the day. I needed to go cruising so I could see all my friends. I needed to go park somewhere and hang out, eat pizza on my hood. Um, but So I got this car, and my, I got a Ford Mustang. No, it wasn't. It was used. It wasn't that great. No 5.0. It was just like two-door, hatchback, five-speed, but it was everything to me. You know what I'm saying? Like 16-year-old me, got a Ford Mustang, five-speed. I tried to bark the tires on that. You know, I was like, I, I thought it was this stuff. I cleaned it all the time. Like, I armor-rolled it, so if you took a corner, you slid off the seat. You know what I mean? Like, I armor-rolled everything. Like, it was, I kept that thing clean. I'm still that way today. I don't let kids bring fries in my car. Like, it is clean all the time, a little OCD. Um, but it was a five-speed. Now, I don't know if you've ever driven a five-speed. I don't, I don't even know if they sell five-speeds that much these days. But most people's cars are automatic, but this was five in the floor, and so you got a clutch and you got a gas. And so you push the clutch in, you put it in first gear, and then you, as you let off the clutch, it's kind of like, I have a Harley, so it's kind of the same thing. It's like, you know, clutch off, gas on. Are you following me? And, and then you, it goes, and then you go to second gear, right? When I was first learning to drive it, if you don't do that right, the car stalls out and stops. And you got to crank it. And so you're in the middle of the road, 
and like cars are honking at you and you're like trying to crank the car and get it back in gear and it's, it jerks if you don't do it just right and, and it stalls out on you. And I grew up in East Tennessee where the men are men, so are the women. But <laughs> that was funny right there. I'm kidding. And so... Um, but there's a lot of hills, and so you could get a stop sign on an incline like this. Well, if you don't do this right, your car rolls backwards. Right. Are y'all following me? I can't tell you how many sweet people that didn't call the cops on me that I hit. <laughs> Rolling backwards until I figured out how to like get up a hill without, without hitting them. And I was thinking about this, that sometimes life feels like this. Wow. That it's like, we want to go. We believe God wants to take us somewhere. We believe there's purpose. Come on, if you're in this house, we believe there's destiny on our life. But it can feel like jerk, and it can feel like everybody's trying to move around me. All the cars are flying by me, and I'm stuck trying to crank it up, or I'm on an incline. And if we're not careful, we keep moving through life physically, but in our spirit, we can get kind of a why try attitude. That this is so diff this is too difficult. I remember times with this car, I was just like, I'm gonna trade this in and just get an auto. This is too hard to drive. And sometimes because there's so many stops and starts, and hello, the last two years. Like, we're going back to school. No, they're not going back to school. I'm going back to work. No, I'm not going back to work. I can go on this vacation. No, I gotta cancel the vacation. And there's so many stops and starts that although outwardly we're going through our day, we're doing our thing, we're showing up at church in our spirit. We can kind of get a why try. Yeah, and maybe this is just where I'm supposed to be. And maybe this is just the level I live at. Maybe God blesses the staff and the pastors, but I don't necessarily, I'm not in. And I just want to declare to you, stop living below the level of your inheritance as a child of the living God. That God does have great plans for you. I feel like you know this in this house. That they're to prosper you and not to harm you. Did you know the word prosper? The mental image of prosper is this. And it's not that you put a dollar in God and he'll give you a Mercedes. I don't know. You may be a poor money manager. Get that right. Tie. Are y'all following me? But this is the idea that in the natural, your natural intellect, your natural ability, your natural skill set, that all in the natural you do what you can do. The mental image or the metaphor is this, is God puts his hand in the small of your back and pushes you beyond what you could do in and of yourself. I'm telling you, God wants to prosper you, but you've got to get something in your heart that goes, I'm not settling at the level of what I currently have, of what I'm currently experiencing. I'm going to, I'm not getting a, I'm not getting a settledness in my spirit. And so this is what I, I want to, if I could, I really feel like I'm not here just to preach to you, but to impart to you. That you would get a, as Paul said, I'm pressing. That, you, that, that, that some of you, because it's exhausting. It's exhausting to, to, to feel like, okay, we're going to make this marriage work, and then it's another stall out. It's exhausting to feel like I'm just getting there financially and getting my head above water and then something else hit and there's another stall out. It's exhausting to go, man, I feel like I've got freedom from this addiction, but then there was a relapse in it. And, and you, it's exhausting. It's mentally draining, emotionally draining. And I just want to impart something into you tonight that goes, no, I'm going to get a press back in my hey, spirit come that come hell or high water, I'm going to lean in to everything God has for for me. I want to give you three thoughts. If you're a note taker, write these down. If you're not, write these down. 
I'm going to give you three thoughts on pressing forward that we see in the text. Number one is this. We see Paul had a forward focus. He had a forward focus. He said this. He said, this one thing I do. This is fascinating to me. Because Paul could have said, this one thing I do, I pray. And that would have been great. Nothing of eternal consequence in your life happens apart from prayer. That God hears, his arm is not too short, nor is his ear too deaf to hear the cries of his people and to reach down and touch your situation. It would have been good if he'd have said, this one thing I do. Think about the singular focus of that. This one thing I do is I worship. There's power in worship. The presence of God inhabits the praises of his people. And in God's presence, anything is possible. That would have been good. He could have said, this one thing I do is read my Bible. And that would have been good. You need to feed yourself every week. You'd be emaciated if you only ate once a week physically. You cannot only eat once a week spiritually. You can't expect Chef Pastor Jabin. He's going to feed you, but you need to eat every day. Are you following me? But he says this. This one thing I do, forgetting. I feel like I have the spiritual gift of forgetting. I mean, I don't know how many AirPods Delta has that I left in a seat. Come on, anybody else with me? I've left really good sunglasses on a plane. But he says, this one thing I do, I forget. And he tells us what he forgets. He says, I forget what lies behind and I press forward to what is ahead. So he says, I forget what lies behind. I think there's a couple of things that it would do you well to forget in your journey of faith. Number one is this, is that you would forget the mistakes and the sins of your past. My Bible tells me that the blood of Jesus is strong enough, powerful enough, potent enough to forgive all of your sins, past, present, and future. Come on, if you're with me, put your hands together. But for many of you, you are stalled out on the interstate of your life, not going to the destiny God has for you because the enemy of your soul continues to play a narrative of everything that you've done in your past so he can inform you of everything that you can't be or never will be. Well, God could never use you in that way. Don't you remember when? Well, God could never bless you in that way. Don't you remember that last thing? God could never give you a marriage that is full of life and passion and intimacy. Don't you remember that life you lived before this? And he will continue to play and you'll begin to agree with what the enemy is saying instead of agreeing with what God is saying. If your sins are under the blood, then what the enemy brings up to you, God doesn't even remember. So why are you believing the narrative of the enemy instead of believing the narrative that you are forgiven, that you are chosen, that you are called, that you are highly favored, that you are blessed? Some of you, it would do you good to develop some spiritual amnesia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be good for you to have a little men in black experience. Yeah. Like, oh, y'all don't watch movies. <laughs> this is the holy crowd. You're like, we were fasting and praying in the spirit all day. It's an, it's, it's an old movie. I'm showing my age. But it would be good for you to have some spiritual amnesia to go, no, Paul goes, no, I'm forgetting. I just have to wonder, kind of in my imagination, if when Paul was writing this to the church in Philippi, if he wasn't going, I got my own things to forget. I'm going to, I'm, 
I'm forgetting because the enemy wants to remind me that I was standing there holding the coats of the people who stoned the first martyr of the New Testament church, Stephen. So I got some things to forget in my past. I wonder if he wasn't going, I'm forgetting what lies behind because I'm forgetting that I was the one who sent letters out to have Christians arrested and persecuted and I was responsible for having them killed. I think he has some own things to go, no, no, I'm forgetting what lies behind. The enemy wants to bring up my past, but I'm pressing on because God has some greater in my future. But I think it would also behoove you to forget your successes. Because oftentimes we think that what got us here was us. Instead of going, no, it was grace that covered my sin, but it's also grace that propelled me into everything that I'm enjoying now. Because we can begin to think that it's me that got me here and it's me that'll get me to where I'm going. No, it's grace all the way from beginning to end. How many of you know that? And the thing about remembering the successes of your past, I'm not saying you shouldn't look at them and go, thank you, Jesus. But they can get you stuck, but they get you stuck in a different way than the mistakes of your past. They get you stuck in nostalgia. And you begin to look back and go, wasn't it so good back then? Can I tell you something? This is what we do as humans. It's our natural. We, the further we get away from something that was good, we turn it great. Let me give you an example. So I got four kids, right? And uh, I, I don't like driving. I don't really like driving them to the grocery store. That's about the distance. Are y'all following me? I hate driving. Like if I could teleport, it would be awesome. So we had this great idea one year. We're going to drive to Disney from Virginia. Uh, Disney World, not land. Yeah, no, I'm not. Lord, no. So I, I was like, we're going to drive. It's like about 12, 14 hours south. And then when you got all these stops and I got one that doesn't want to potty train, that's the three-year-old. And he doesn't have to because he's mama's baby boy. He looked at me the other day. I was changing him. He looked me in the eye. Clear as day. He goes, Dad, I like going in my diaper. Like, what do you do with that? I was like, we'll never send you to kindergarten. If you, we're going to get it figured out. We'll lay hands on him. Cast that demon out. Get a potty training spirit on him. Um, so we go. We drive all the way down. It, it was horrible. How far is it yet? And when I get angry, I get quiet. So I didn't say a word the last 12 hours. It's about 14 hours. So then we're coming back, and I finally am like on my Marriott app, like finding a hotel near me. I don't care anyone, and I stop. We stay the night, and then we finish the rest of the trip the next day, right? So then like a year goes by. Tammy's like, we should go to Disney. I was like, great. Let's look at flights. She's like, well, what if we drove? She's like, it wasn't that bad, was it? And I was like, you know, I don't think it was that bad. Because the further you get away from something, you paint it prettier than it was. And you will get stuck in nostalgia wishing that you were back in something. Can I give you a little word as someone who's walked through this season here? This is awesome, but don't get to something next that God gives you and go, I wish we was back in that little room. Now, God met you here, and God built some things here. And God changed your life here. Are you following me? But my God is bringing me from victory to victory, from glory to glory, 
I don't want to stay at one level of victory when he's got another level of victory for me. I don't want to stay at one level of glory when he's got another level of glory. I want everything that God has for me, and I won't stay stuck in nostalgia. He says, I'm forgetting what lies behind. Some of you, the word of the Lord is forget it. Forget it. But he also had a forward pursuit. Number two, Paul had a a forward pursuit. He said, uh, twice in the text, he said, I'm pressing on. I'm pressing on. This this uh, This is a heart posture. Before it's anything, it's a heart posture. A preacher that I used to listen to said it this way, that the atmosphere of expectancy is the breeding ground of miracles in your life. There's a body language to pursuit, but there's also a body language to disengagement. There's a, there's, there's a body language. I've had teenagers, right? They're, they're, they're awesome kids, but they're teenagers, you know. Some days they, they need Jesus more than other days. Are you following me? Like all of us. But, but when, when, they're, when they're not wanting to do what I, I'm asking them to do or, or they're, just, they're just over it, they, they give this thing. I call, it, I call it the rock back on the back hill. When they go on the back hill, I'm like, oh, no. When they, you know, like, they do this. <laughs> Clean your room. Oh, okay, Dad. It's the shoulders. It's the eyes. They know better than roll the eyes. But it's the back on the hill. It's everything about it is like, I'm not interested. This wasn't Paul. Everything about Paul was like, I'm anticipating. Can I tell you something? Someone beside you can get their miracle, but I'm convinced if you walk in and stand like this, God's like, next? Not because he's not a good father, but because he's looking for faith. And faith is a posture. Faith is a heart. Faith is a lean-in. Faith is a pursuit. There's something going. I can't wait to get in the house of God. I can't wait to open the word of God. I just know God's going to speak to me. I just know the presence of God's going to be in the place. I just know whoever delivering the word, some seed of the word of God's going to get in me. I just know it's going to bear fruit in my life. It's a posture. It's a pursuit. Whenever you're moving forward, it's not only a focus, but it's a posture of your heart. But here's what I want to warn you, is that if you have a posture of pursuit, you will face resistance. Think about it. Paul wouldn't have to press if something wasn't pressing against him. I mean, let's just naturally think about it in the natural, right? Like if I put my hands in front of me, all of us put our hands in front of us and we push out, nothing is resisting us. So we are not pressing. We're only moving. When I put my hands here, now I have to press because this podium is resisting me. And some of us, we think that this journey of faith with God is supposed to be all flowers and roses all the time. So we face resistance and we go, where is God? But could it be, could it be, I'm just asking, could it be that God would use resistance that comes into your life to shape something in you that would create a greater glory in you that would prepare you for everything you've been asking God to do in your life. I think, I think, I love this church. I love the faith in this church. I think that sometimes God thinks we're schizophrenic. Uh, 
Because we come in an environment like this and, and, and we got, you know, you got the pastor with the unfair advantage. Do the, he's like doing this and the band's like, I'm like, what is, why does God like Jabin more? I'm going to talk to him about that later. Why do you like my friend more than me? Um, but we come in that environment and we're like, God, use us. God, work in and through us. God, do something in our life. God, we want to be a vessel. God, we want to be a blessing, right? And then we leave from there and we think what we spoke, only God heard. <laughs> but the enemy heard it. And he's know that God is not a man that he should lie. And that when we make our request known to him, he hears us and moves on our behalf. So do you not think that the enemy starts moving? So you walk out of here and all of a sudden you start facing resistance. Not because God sent it, but because the enemy heard the same thing you told God. And he's like, no, 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 no. I know if they really get a hold of it, what kind of force they could be. I think sometimes the enemy believes in the call of God on your life more than you do. That could be why he's fighting you so hard. It could be why he's coming against you so hard right now. Some of you think God is out to get you. I'm trying to tell you the call is so big. The destiny is so great. That's why the enemy is pressing so hard. I'm trying to get something in you that goes, you strike first, but I'll strike back. You press against me, I'll press back. And so we come back the next week and we're like, God's like, all right, I'm ready to use you. The enemy comes in and God's like, I work all things together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I can leverage this resistance to grow in you what I need to grow in you because if I gave you everything you're asking for right now, it would crush you. But if I build something in you, then you can handle the weight of the glory that I want to put on you. And then we walk back into church going, I don't know where God is. Feel like God's abandoned me. We come in instead of like this. Because you can be in the room but not present. And we lose our pursuit. When God's trying to build something in us, God has a way of leveraging the good things and the bad things for your good and for his glory. Listen to me. There's not one tear wasted. There's not one painful night wasted. There's not one moment that you were in the hospital that's wasted. There's not one financial break burden that is wasted. There's not one abandonment that is wasted. There's not one moment where someone stabbed you in the back, walked out on you, abused you, should have protected you, but didn't stand up for you. There's not one wasted. However... Unless you quit. I've seen God use a whole lot of people in the scriptures. And if I'm wrong, someone informed me. But I have looked through them and I see him use adulterers and liars and murderers and fornicators and all kinds. I just don't see him using quitters. Yeah. 
When they quit, their names fade out of the story of Scripture. So you don't even have to be 100%. You just got to keep getting back up. You, 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 may walk in, you may walk into church limp, but at least walk in. You may walk in crying, but at least walk in. Are you following me? You win if you don't quit. Let me say it again. You win if you don't quit. You're going to press in your spirit. Paul had a forward pursuit. There was a lean in. Did he face resistance? Oh, yeah. But he kept pressing. Number three. And then we're going to pray. We're going to, somebody, somebody's getting that press back tonight. Number three, he had a forward faith. He said, I'm pressing on toward the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So Paul, the, the insinuation or the understanding in the text, I'm not reading into the text or making the text say something that it does not, but if I'm going to go towards something, it requires me to move. Are you, are you with me? So it does not... Um, it does not do anything to the text for me to say, Paul is saying, I'm moving towards the upward call of God. Insinuated and toward is movement. Are y'all with me? Are you following me? I just want you to make sure I'm biblically sound, all right? So he says, I'm moving forward. So movement, Paul said, I'm believing. And he said, I'm moving. What I'm moving towards an upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So what Paul is saying is there, there's something greater than where I currently am. And I'm moving towards that. Remember, he said, I haven't perfected. I'm not, I'm not fully there yet, but I'm moving towards it. Right. Are y'all tracking with me so far? Can I teach for a minute? So he's moving forward in faith. So we need to understand what faith is. And, and if I could just, I know this is a house of faith and you understand this, but if I could add a perspective to it, Hebrews 11 gives us the hall of faith. And <clears throat> the scripture tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Everybody shout evidence. evidence. Are you tracking with me? Say amen. All right, substance of things, so for the evidence of things not seen. So in the natural, evidence is something that is presented in a courtroom to either convict someone or to exonerate them, right? So the question of your life is this, is by your actions, could you be convicted of faith? Because faith isn't a feeling. You may feel something. For me, usually when I'm walking in faith, I feel fear. I don't feel goosebumps. I don't feel all tingly inside. I feel like I'm going to throw up, but I'm obeying God. Are y'all following me? That's it. That's the word. Faith isn't a feeling, and faith isn't an intellectual assent or understanding of the promises of God. You have not exercised faith until you've taken the promise and done what the promise requires. Because anytime God worked in the New Testament, Jesus healed or miracle in the New Testament, you see a preceding um, instruction. Are you following me? Yes. Mud on the eyes, go wash them off, then you'll see. Move the stone, and then Lazarus, we're going to call him out of there. Are y'all following me? So faith requires movement. However, when we look at the hall of faith in, the New, in Hebrews, in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 11, if you've never read it, if there's a hall of fame in the scriptures, this is the hall of faith. All right, 
The Bible would say things like this. By faith, Enoch walked with God, and then he was no more. He went up to heaven. By faith, Sarah, when she was old, had a child, even though her womb was barren. By faith, Abraham you know, packed up his family and went to a place that God would show him. So I had this little thought the other day, is that it's not faith in foresight. It's only in hindsight. Track with me. Y'all still with me? Okay, good. Abraham, picture this, like sometimes you need to like flesh out the Bible in like real life terms, because if not, you'll so spiritualize it and think it's this thing out here. Here's Abraham. He's got his network, his business, his community is all where he's built his whole empire, right? He was a wealthy man. He, he was smart. He had, and so he's going to go to them one day and go, God's spoken to me. First, that's going to be a hard one to sell. Number two, he's going to say, and God said, we're supposed to pack up everything and we're going to move. Okay, maybe there's some early adopters. Maybe there's some people that would camp out for the iPhone the night before. And they're like, done, let's go. But 85% of humanity is not those people. They don't process change that fast. So then he's got to get them bought into the change. So then they're going to start asking the questions that people ask who are adverse to change. Where are we going? About that. To a place God will show us. When's he going to show us? We want before I move. God wants after you go. Are you following me? We want, I will move when God goes, I will speak after you. Are you following me? So track with me. In, hinds- in foresight, it doesn't look like faith. It looks like crazy. In hindsight, it looks like faith. The man of faith, Abraham. Are y'all following me? But most of us stay stuck and stalled out on the interstate of our life when God wants to take us. And it's not because God doesn't have a plan for you and a destiny for you and a purpose for you. And it's not because he likes the person in the third row back, two seats over, better than you. And that's why he's moving in their life. It's just because some of us are willing to walk by faith, which really what we're saying in Christian terms is we're willing to obey God even when it seems crazy. And it's radical up front but then we call it faith in hindsight. Yeah. A young couple is going to leave a, a great place of ministry in California and move to Las Vegas and start a church and build it out of the dirt from the ground up. Some people may have thought, well, that's kind of crazy. But now all of us all day have been like, thank God for those people of faith. Yeah. Are y'all following me? Can you get the worship team to come join me? So Tammy and I, we, we've been through this process. We built our first building. Are you with me? We did the whole, we were portable up until, and then we went into our first building project. And when we moved to Northern Virginia, it was at the height of like housing market and all. And I just told her, I said, we'll never own a home in this city. It's just like these Northern Virginia DC prices are insane and we'll just never own a home and that's fine. And so we finally bought, able to buy our first home. We put all this sweat equity into it. And I laid tile and cut out walls and painted. I'm not handy at all, y'all. I had good friends. You need a friend that knows how to do tile work. That's another friend to add to the list. And so we're going into this building campaign. The Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, you build my house, I'll take care of yours. And so what God led us to do was sell our house, take all the equity we'd build in it, 
we lived in it one year and then give it to build God's house. Crazy. Faith. Are you following me? And I don't know what God is saying to you, but I know he has something in front of you and you're going crazy. And you're stalled out in your destiny. And you're stuck on the interstate of your life. And it's not because God's against you or not for you. It's because you're looking at it and he's saying, take a step and you're going crazy. And what you don't realize, six months, year, five years, you'll look back and go, faith. By faith, Abraham moved. We're 2,000 years later. <laughs> it's faith. In the moment, it's crazy. Are you with me? Paul goes, I'm doing one thing. I'm forgetting what lies behind me. I will not stay stuck in nostalgia and I will not stay stuck in the sins of my past. And I'm pressing forward. I've got a posture of pursuit in my heart. I've got a lean-in posture. And some of you, time and exhaustion, and I know it can be so wearing and so like, is this ever gonna happen? Is there ever gonna be a breakthrough? I come every Sunday and the breakthrough's coming and the miracle's coming. Is it ever gonna happen? And maybe I should just sit back and wait. No, 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 no. No, I'm pressing in. I'm keeping a lean-in in my spirit. Are you following me? Because I'm moving to something. I'm moving towards the upward call of God in Christ. And you're like, but you don't know what I'm going through. Well, can I tell you, he was snake bit, but he just kept pressing. And he was in prison, but he just kept pressing. And he was, he was sent out to die, but he just kept pressing. And he was abandoned, and he just kept pressing. And he was bit by a viper, and he just kept pressing. And they called him a God one moment and a devil the next moment, and he just kept pressing. And so if Paul can do that, maybe you in your situation can go, Man, the marriage may be struggling, but I'm gonna keep pressing. And the finances may not be where I want them to be, but I'm gonna keep pressing. And I keep dealing with this sin, but I'm gonna keep pressing. I'm just gonna press in to everything that God has for me. I've gotta press in my spirit. Come on, somebody shout, press. I'm pressing. I may face resistance, but I'm pressing. The greater the resistance, the greater the call on your life, the greater the purpose on your life. And the world needs you. The church needs you. Your family, your friends, your coworkers, they need you living at the fullness of everything that God has for you. But it's not gonna be because you pull yourself up by your bootstraps and and it's not going to be because you leave determined tonight. It's going to be because you are empowered by a supernatural, divine enablement of God. That the Spirit of God so stirs in you, rises in you. It's going to be because you stay connected in a house, in an atmosphere of faith. That goes, when I don't feel like I can walk, I got people that are going to carry me. I got someone that's going to believe with me. So there's two types of people in here tonight. There's some of you that you need to be 
on the faith end going, no, come on over, step on over. No, I've done it, I know, it feels crazy. I know what it is to feel like I'm nauseous and what am I doing, what am I thinking? And friends and family around me are going, have you lost your mind? I know what it is, but on this side, it's called faith. And on this side, I learned something about Jesus I never knew before. And on this side, I'm experiencing blessing that I never knew possible before in my life. There's some of you on that side. There's some of you that are on this side and you're stalled out. Crank it back up. Put it back in gear. It's time to press. It's time to press. Come on, let's sing I'm Not Enough. Can we sing that? Let's just worship for a moment.